pray and we'll open up to Genesis 1. Father, thank you for your word. Your word that gives light, that gives understanding, that gives us wisdom. God, your word written down for us so that we can know the truth and walk in the truth. And so, God, I pray that today you would open the eyes of our understanding, just like you spoke in creation, saying, let there be light, that you would let the light of revelation shine in our hearts. The light of the revelation of your inspired word shine within our hearts and open our eyes to our purpose that you have designed us for and move us on to that agenda. Move us into your design and your, your purpose. And those areas where we've been, where it's been distorted and fallen and broken or neglected, God, we pray that you would restore and fix and help us align with your design. In Jesus' name, I ask these things. Amen. All right, Genesis chapter 1. Go ahead and turn there. The book of Genesis means beginnings. And again, I think that's appropriate for us at the beginning of the year, the very first of the year, to dig into the book of the Bible. That means beginnings. Here's the big idea. Here's where we're going. That God is the creator of all creation and he has beautifully designed humanity with purpose. Genesis chapter 1 starting in verse 24. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and the beast of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beast of the earth according to their kinds and the livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock And over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea. And over the birds of the heavens, over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth. And every tree with with seed in its fruit. And you shall have them for food. Every beast of the earth and every bird of the heavens. And to everything that creeps on the earth and everything that has breath, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw that everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. All God's people said, Amen. Amen. So I love this. We, first of all, have the Creator God, the one who designed everything and sustains everything, doing his good work. He is good, and from his goodness, he does good things and creates beautiful things. And he doesn't do it arbitrarily. He creates everything with purpose and design built in within it. You and I, saints, 
are no accident. God has intentionally designed us and planned, has plans for our life and has placed us here in 2017 here in Dallas, Texas on January 1st at 10:30. He's placed us here for purpose. And his purpose is good. His creation is good. His work is good. And specifically after, uh, so everything that God had made on the, the previous days, there's this reoccurring statement in God, and it was good. God saw that it was good. But here in verse 31, after he created mankind, he said, and God saw that it was very good. It was very good. God created man, the, the apex, the the pinnacle of his creation. And he saw that it was very good. And so what on earth did he create us for? So there's five things that I want to look at here. The very first thing is simply this, is that he has created us to reflect his image. He's created us to reflect his image. This refers to, I believe, the, the, the attributes of who he is. Love, kindness, goodness, patience, uh, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. These are aspects of, of who he is. So he made mankind in his image to reflect the glory of who he is. To reflect the glory of who he is. Isaiah 43, 7 says that, that we are created, uh, everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory, whom I formed and made. So we are here designed in the image of God. And, and by the way, no, no, nothing else in creation has this stamp on it, has this mark on it. The, the donkeys don't, uh, apes don't, gorillas don't, uh, giraffes don't. But human beings have this mark and this designation on them that they are shaped and formed and made in the image of God. So we are to reflect him. We're to reflect all, all that he is, and that we're to spread that image on the earth, the glory of who he is on the earth. He's created us to be rational beings, so we have intellect, we have understanding, where we think, we have, uh, we have a will, we're able, volition, we're able to make decisions, we have emotions, we're able to feel hurt and pain and joy and pleasure. We're able to see, we're able to hear, we're able to feel, and so on. And so God has made all of humanity in his image. This puts value on every human life, regardless of age, regardless of race, regardless of um, sex, gender, male or female. God made male and female in the image of God. So this, this should challenge some of these big issues in our day when we grasp this worldview about humanity being shaped and made and created in the image of God. This should speak to chauvinism and, or extreme feminism where, where men and women are both valued. The Bible doesn't teach that there's a superiority over a, a man, over a woman or vice versa. They're, they're, they're both created in the image of God. They have, there's roles there's design and intentional roles that God's created in man and woman, but both of them bear the image of God and reflect the image of God. Whether you're black, white, Hispanic, or Asian, 
Arabic, whatever your nationality is, you reflect the image of God. So this should challenge the idea of racism, where, where there's this view that, that some races are superior than others. Every person, every human being is made in the image of God. This should challenge one of the big issues of injustices in our day. This should challenge abortion. The killing of children within the womb is a major deal. It's justified, terrible atrocity. It's, it's a terrible injustice of our day. God values every human life, even the life that's in the womb. This, because we're made in the image of God, this should challenge the neglect of the elderly. Elderly reflect the image of God as well. We should care for the elderly. Um, this should challenge neglecting the, the disabled, the care for disabled people and children. Whether somebody has Down syndrome or, or some severe disability, they're made in the image of God and they have value before God. Therefore, we should value their life as well and care for their life as well and not write people off because of their disability. Not write people off because of their age. Not write people off because of their gender. God has designed all of humanity in his image to reflect the glory and the beauty of who he is on the earth. Isn't that a wonderful thought? I don't know about you, but there is a weight of responsibility that I feel when I ponder that truth. There is a weight of responsibility that I feel when I ponder that truth, that, that God has created us for his glory. The Westminster Catechism has, uh, has a question and answer. The very first one, what is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. I agree with this statement. I think the Bible teaches that. He's created us for his glory and, and we're designed to reflect it back to him. To reflect the beauty and the glory of who he is by how we treat people, by how we relate to people. Our patience and kindness and faithfulness and dependability and our wisdom and intellect and, and, and our uh, decisions and so on. That, that, that our being reflects God to people. Amen? And then we're also to render glory to him. So we're to reflect him. We're to render thanks Praise, adoration to our loving, faithful creator who made us. Amen. So the idea that every human being is made in the image of God should also challenge our view of war, unjust war. We shouldn't be so flippant about let's just let's just nuke them. Let's just let's go get them since we have the power. We're Americans. We're we'll take them out if they're messing with us. We should be really that, that war is a very complex deal and I don't want to you know open a can of worms here but but god values human life okay so when we take another human when we kill somebody whether it's war whether it's murder malicious murder there is an image of god that is being removed from this earth that god put here for design and purpose amen so war is a terrible thing, and so, and, and so are all these, these other things I mentioned here, abortion and, and racism and so on. And so what went wrong? What went wrong? God created everything good. He saw that it was good. He made it all good. He made it beautiful. 
There wasn't dysfunction, there wasn't disorder, there wasn't war, there wasn't murder until after man disobeyed God and there was a fall. Pastor Mike is going to expound on that on Wednesday uh, on Genesis chapter 3 and so on and expound on the problem of sin, the distortion of God's creation. I still have four more points to focus on here on why God put us here in the first place before I touch on the distortion of it any further. So we should care for the disabled, care for the elderly, protect uh, children, even those within the womb. We should value uh, men and women and, and, and confront racism because man is made in the image of God. Amen? So the next thing is simply this, is that God has created and designed humanity to reproduce. What a great responsibility. 2017, those of you who are married, is a, is a great year to have, have some children. <laughs> now, if you're single, or if maybe you're past the age of having children, or you can't have more children, or you don't plan on having more children, amen. The, amen. <laughs> there's a New Testament commission that is similar to what, what God says here. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. Uh, Jesus said it. By the way, Jesus was a single man. He never married. And he fully fulfilled the purpose of God, the Father, here on earth as a single man. And he did that by making disciples. Jesus said at the end of his life, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. And so God has designed us to be reproduced, to, to, to make disciples to pass on life, to be conduits of life. And this is an amazing, amazing thing when you think about it. Those, how many of y'all have children? When you look at your children and you look at somebody who reflects you in some ways, like you see like a, a replica of you in some ways, right? And a lot of times that can be very delightful and pleasant or sometimes that can be painful and challenging, right? <laughs> Um, our children, what, what an amazing design. One, it, just having a baby and just how all that works, the biology and everything that goes on. I mean, that's amazing in and of itself that God deserves praise and adoration for, that only he can replicate that. Only he can produce that and cause that to come about. Man's tried to clone. and We've tried to reproduce in, a, in, our own, in our own way. But ultimately, God is the one who forms the children in the womb. Psalm 139. You see, God created Adam and Eve, and they reproduce and reproduce and reproduce and so on, and then we're here, right? But God, God formed us and fashioned each one of us in our mother's womb. He formed us in our mother's womb. He's the one who created us. Uh, within our mother's womb, though though our parents may have had had a part, an instrumental part, um, and and you know what? If your parents didn't plan to have you, you're still not an accident, because God planned that you would be here. You're here by purpose and by design. God is still your creator. He's still your designer, and He put you here for a reason. Whether you're your parents perfectly plan the timing of your arrival. <laughs> that rarely happens, by the way, or, or at least I don't see that happen that often. So God's the author and the sustainer of life. And so he's created us to reproduce. God blessed them. I love this. God blessed 
humanity and said, be fruitful and multiply. You see, and, and we'll see this in chapter 12, uh, Lord willing, next week. God's blessing is designed to be a conduit. You see, through having children and through making disciples, that is a means for us to transfer the blessings of God and reflect God to others and, and transfer the blessings of God into other people's lives. And then we want them to do the same. And that blessing, the spread and the glory of who God is, his love, his kindness, his faithfulness, his goodness, his truth, his wisdom, and so on, to just spread and cover the earth. We're going to see that one day. We're going to see God get glory that he deserves. So God has created mankind to reproduce. God has also created mankind to be responsible, to have responsibility built within us. Uh, verse uh, 26 and then 28, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over, and over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the heavens and over every living thing. So this is awesome here. God has designed humanity to rule and have some dominion. To have authority. And the way I'm describing this is, is just responsibility. As uh, I think it's uh, Superman who says, with, with great privileges comes great responsibilities. Is that, is that right? Is that Batman? Spider-Man. Thank you. Thank you. I, I looked over. I knew, I knew who to look at, too. Spider-Man says, with great privileges comes great responsibilities. God blesses us and designs us and, and makes us with purpose. But with that... There is great responsibility. And those of you who are parents know the weight of responsibility that you feel when that first child comes and that second one comes and that third one comes. You have like two, three little human lives that you're responsible for. Little people made in the image of God that you're responsible for, that God's entrusted you with to help shape and form them emotionally and intellectually and spiritually and guide them and point them in the right direction and trust that, that he will ultimately fulfill his plans for their lives. What a great responsibility that is. But then we, humanity is responsible to govern and, and, and subdue and have dominion over all creation. And that's not just like to trash it, you know. That's not just to, to strip it and, and, and rape the creation and just, you know, pollute it. We are to care for it. We have, <laughs> this is kind of funny. So recycling. I was opposed to recycling for, for quite, well, I just didn't want to take the time. It was like my wife and I, when we got married, she was, she was more pro-recycle. And I was just like, in my mind, it was an, it was annoying. We lived in an apartment in, in Lakewood, and we put our tra our recycle stuff in the Whole Foods bags, the paper sacks. And so, like when I would go to take it out to the one, we had to drive it to another place. We didn't have anything there. So when I would go to take the recycling bags out, like one of the handles would rip, and it would like all fall on the ground, and it was like it was such a nuisance. For me, no offense to Whole Foods, by the way, in the bags we got Scott Dew who worked for Whole Foods there. Um, <laughs> But it was like a nuisance. Recycle. I was like, oh, I don't want to. It's, it's just too much time. I can be witnessing. I could be worshiping. I could be reading my Bible. I could be enjoying my family. I'm recycling, making a mess here. Uh, and then I, I heard a sermon by a guy named Tim Keller, Can Faith Be Green? And I was convicted and, and just kind of thought about it biblically from, from a biblical perspective that we have a responsibility to care for this creation and not just trash it. 
We have a responsibility for that, to be good stewards of all that God has entrusted us with. Amen. So my wife was like, yes. Thank you, Tim Keller. Uh, and then, of course, when we moved to the house, we got one of those big blue square containers. So now all I have to do is just bring it right out to the back there and drop it in. And, hey, it's convenient for us. And the city of Dallas will provide you one of those if you need one. And so that's just a small practical way that we can show responsibility for creation. Those of you who have animals, how many, we've got some animal lovers in here and, and some new animal owners here. There is responsibility with having pets. Uh, if you had a farm, you, there would be even more responsibility. There's things to clean up. There are, there's bellies to feed. There are, uh, there's health to attend to the animals, and that can get really expensive if you're a cat or dog owner, right? If, if one of those pets gets sick, I mean, you get a $500,000 bill to take care of Fifi, you know? I mean, that's crazy. But there's this sense of responsibility that God has designed us to live with, to be responsible beings because He is responsible. He is uh, faithful and dependable, and he, he carries out what He starts. He takes care of what He creates. Just like he does with each one of us here. He sustains all of creation by the word of his power, the scripture says. And so we are to reflect him in being responsible creatures by caring for all that's entrusted to us. And what goes along with that, too, is the idea of work. God has also designed us to work, to be responsible. Verse 15, chapter 2 it says, the Lord, the Lord God took man and put him into the Garden of Eden to work it, to keep it. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, you shall eat of every tree of the garden, uh, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in that day you eat of it, you will surely die. And so this idea of work, God has given us things to do. He's given us, uh, whether it's physical labor or whether it's mental labor, you have both here, by the way. Uh, one of the tasks that Adam had was to name the animals. All the animals. I, just think about that. If that was your responsibility for 2017, you have to rename all the animals. Uh, that would be pretty big. Excuse me. There is some mental labor that had to go into that, I'm sure. That was before uh, God created Eve. Somebody said, and this is a joke, uh, somebody said that's probably because he didn't have to deal with the second opinion. Um, <laughs> didn't have, you know, sometimes it can get challenging there. What are we going to name Fifi? What are we going to name uh, the, the new dog? Nevertheless, when, when God created Eve, he said, it's not good for man to be alone. I will create a helper suitable for him. Adam needed some help. All right. So he had work to do and he needed some help with his responsibility. So God has created us and designed us to work. Those of you who've experienced a season or seasons without without any work, without a job, know that sense of emptiness and restlessness and the struggle within because you're made to do. You're made you're made one to, to be in relationship with God. We'll get to that in a minute. But then you're, you're there's also things you're made to to do you're designed to work to be responsible beings and so without something to do there's this sense of uh, emptiness like I'm missing out on something now of course if you're you're a stay-at-home mom that's work <laughs> that's work right there's mental labor and there's physical labor you know this week I had the responsibility of cleaning up bags and bags of leaves that had fallen in my front yard I think that's a part of the fall by the way 
Genesis 3 fall and the season fall. That was a joke. That was a, that was a double pun there. Okay. So it took me hours. I was raking leaves. And I, 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 one of the strategies, too, I see that the landscapers have is they have a blower. And they, you know, they blow them all out in the street. And then they run them over with the lawnmower. And then they pack them in. And so I paid a, a guy 20 bucks to do that. On, on the, the second half of the lawn, <laughs> I've been there hours, hours, just raking up bags and bags of leaves. And then I used my, my intellect, and, and, I, and I used $20 to pay this, this other guy to save me a couple hours. But as I was doing that, by the way, I started off with my kids. Okay, I had my, my son, my daughters, uh, Carson Karras and Abigail. And I gave them a little rake, and I gave them the blower. My son took the blower, and he started blowing, blowing his sisters, and we were having fun. And then they were jumping in the leaves and spreading them back out. It was fun, but I, I, was, I was thinking about this. I was thinking about this text and how God has designed us to, to, to feed on responsibility. We're made to be responsible beings. And so it's fun when I'm able to give a little responsibility to my son and, like, the the, the car keys and just, hey, or just take it for a ride. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Like the blower, you know, and just see what he does with it, you know, or, you know, it'll, next thing you know, it'll be the chainsaw. Here, what are you going to do with it? We need to use, we need to use wisdom and how we delegate that responsibility. But it's beautiful to see, like I saw my, my, my three-year-old Karis, she was putting all the leaves in there. She was doing it. Carson was, he started getting the blowing thing down and and Abigail, she was having fun running around. And I mean, it was just, it was fun to see God's designed us for that, to thrive on responsibility. And then like God in, in Genesis chapter two, after he had completed everything, you know, it says that he rested, he sat back and he rested. And it was, it was like God just took satisfaction in his work. And what a fulfilling experience it is to have worked a, a hard day work a hard day and, and be productive and get some things done and, and, and your work be good and it be a blessing to others and it pr- help provide food on your table. There's this sense of fulfillment. You know, diligence is man's prized possession, it says in Proverbs. And, and so God's designed us. God's a worker. God, God creates and he works. And, and, and so we're, we're supposed to do the same. You know, Ephesians 2.10 says he's created us in Christ Jesus for good works. We're, we're recreated. We're new creations in Christ Jesus, and he creates us for good works. He saves us and creates us in Christ Jesus for good works, helping people, blessing others, serving others. We're, we're made to feed on that, to bring glory to him and to do good to others, to bless others. Amen? So one last thing here is that with, in regards to responsibility, Mankind had a moral responsibility to the creator. We have a moral responsibility to the creator and we have a volition. We have a will. We have decisions that either and glorify our creator and bless people and express love and care for people or we can be selfish and, and, and choose that path of selfishness and darkness and sin and reject our creator and worship the creation and go our own way. And so God created man with the responsibility to obey him. And God commanded him, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The problem we have with in Genesis chapter 3 is that man disobeys God. Man rejects God's command 
Eve is deceived. Adam just straight up disobeys. And then sin comes in. And, and now, now all of us are affected by the curse of sin. The ground, uh, God says to the man, you're going to have to toil and labor in your work. So work's going to be harder to the, to the woman. Uh, you're going to have pain and childbearing to the snake. You know, uh, you're going to have to slither on your belly and so on. And so, so all of creation is now affected by mankind's sin. And so how do we, this helps us with our worldview of the whole world and God being reconciling, God being a good, loving, wise creator and the problem of injustice and sin and the brokenness that we see in the world. The brokenness and the sin that we see in the world, the distortion, the injustice, the unrighteousness that we see is, is our fault. It's man's fault. We, by nature, we're born into it, okay, and by choice. So we, we by nature, choose what's wrong and desire to do what's wrong, and, and we choose what's wrong. So by nature and by choice, we, we go our own way. And so God's, the image that, that God has created us to reflect is somewhat distorted. We fail, we fall short of his glory. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. See, doesn't that shine some light on that verse there? When you look at it in light of the reality that God has created us for his glory, to reflect his glory. But we've all sinned. We've all missed the mark. We've, we've failed to reflect God as we ought to. We've failed to reproduce and make disciples and raise up children in a godly way as we ought to. We've, we've failed to, to be responsible as we ought to as, as human beings. And so we need a Savior. We need somebody who would become the perfect image of God, who is the perfect image of God, God in the flesh, Jesus, who comes down and steps into our broken world and redeems us and redeems all of those who trust in him. So though the image of God is um, maybe distorted or, or, or we, we're fallen, uh, it's not erased in us. We, we still bear the image of God and, and creation, though creation is fallen and there's like there's thorns that will poke you when you're when you're gardening. You know, and, and there's there's animals that will bite you, you know, if you're not careful. Uh, though though the the creation has fallen, you still see God's goodness in it. There's still plenty of traces of God's goodness to be seen and experienced within creation. So, second to the last point here is that God has designed us to be relational. God said, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. As we know from the New Testament, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity. We believe in that, right? And that's further revealed in the New Testament. But he says here, let us make man in our own image. God is a relational um, being. God is relational. Okay? And he expresses love in relationship. And he's created humanity to be relational as well. He's designed us. And this, this kind of balances... In, in some ways, the responsibility, the relational, because some, some folks can be so focused on the task and the work getting done that re relationships get put on the back burner. That shouldn't be. We should have a good balance and, and we, should, we should be responsible and do what we're supposed to do. But then we should also 
love people like we're supposed to as well and invest in relationships like we're supposed to as well. Because when it's all said and done, that's what matters most. People on their deathbeds, I mean, they're, they're not saying, hey, get me my trophies, you know, get me my, you know, my plaque. You know, they, they want people that their loved ones around them on their deathbed because that's really what matters. We just celebrated Christmas being around family. That's important to us. And God has designed those relationships to be important to us, that we're to care for one another. So within the Trinity, God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, there is this perfect relationship. Okay, so we're told in the New Testament that Jesus had a part in creating. Through him, all things were created. All things were created by him and for him. Colossians 1, 16. And so there's this divine counsel, if you will, who created all things. And then in Genesis chapter 2, when Adam's by himself on the earth, God makes this statement. He says, it's not good that man should be alone. There's one thing that, that wasn't good that God did something about. And he gave him a wife. And he said, whoa, man. He created a beautiful woman for him to have a companion with, to, to, have, a, to have a helper, to, to have somebody to experience life together and labor together. God, God did this. So God has designed us to be relational. Husbands, we, need to, we, we have to work at this. We've got to give more. When, when our wives ask us at the end of the day, how was your day? We've got to give more than just, it was good. <laughs> We've got to say something more. How are you doing? How are you doing, sweetie? We've got to say something more than, it's, I'm doing fine. I'm good. We, we, so we have to work at this and, and, and be intentional and ask questions ourselves and engage. God's designed us. Women seem to be a little better at this for the most part. They're just every time uh, my wife and I play games, guys versus girls, when it comes to communication games like charades or fishbowl or gestures, every time the women just like just beat us down. I mean, we get a we get a we get a fresh taste of humble pie. Um, and, and I'm reminded in those moments just how God has designed women. And there's a really a strength there and just connecting. It's amazing. I think how some women can just like. And seconds just connect, you know, in relationally. So anyways, God's designed us for this. We should value relationships. By the way, I want to point to our vision that we have over here on the statement because these, these points here from Genesis, right, our, our vision statement touches on several of these. So we want to know Jesus. It's our pursuit and goal to know him and to know him better. We want to love people and we want to make an impact on our world. And so some of these things that we're talking about here on the first day of the year, um, this is vision stuff. You know, let's be a people that reflect God well, that know the Lord well, that love people well, that are making an impact, that are making disciples, that are being fruitful and multiplying. We're training our children. Uh, we're influencing others in our workplace, and we're being faithful, dependable uh, uh, workers in our workplace. And and we're being faithful with all that God's given us. So the last thing I want to point out is that God has designed humanity. This is my last point. God has designed humanity. I'm glad joy comes in the morning. I'm glad joy comes in the morning. Right? I'm, I expect meeting in the morning with you guys for us to have more joy. Okay? And we'll have coffee. If you need help with it, we'll have some coffee there in the back. If you, if you need some liquid joy, yeah. 
So lastly, God has designed humanity to rest. So he's created us to reflect him. He's created us to reproduce. He's created us to be responsible beings. He's created us to be relational beings. But he has also designed us to rest. We, every person needs to find a weekly time of rest. We, every person needs a weekly rhythm of rest. Have you ever wondered, like, why, first of all, why do we have, why do we have to sleep in the first place? Like, why did God design us to, that every night I need to shut my eyes for so many hours so that I can function well the next day and, and be more kind and loving and more alert and more focused and, and better at what I do? Why did he do that? I mean, I think, here's one theory. I think, first of all, it, it just reminds us that we're not God. You know, we're told in, in Psalm 121, he, not, he doesn't sleep nor slumber. So he's still holding all of universe in his hands and sustaining everything. Um, but, but then also, this is interesting because God, he didn't need to rest. After he created everything in six days and he rested on the seventh day, it wasn't because he was like, oh, I sure am tired creating all those mountains and oceans and I just need, I just need to sit down. God didn't get tired. He wasn't sleepy. He wasn't burnt out. He wasn't exhausted. Like, this is just too much. This is... You know, he is all powerful, almighty, all knowing everywhere. And so he didn't rest because he was going to take a nap. You know, he didn't rest because he was slacking on the job, being lazy. This is what I think. I think he rested to kind of sit back after he created everything. And how, I mean, just think of some of the places you've seen in the world some of the mountains and the oceans and the forest and, and, um, just think of some of the beautiful things you've seen in the world. And then humanity. You think of babies and your children and, 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 and just life. The, the goodness of God seen in creation. So he created it all in six days. And he's, it's like he sits back and just takes it all in and enjoys it on the seventh day. It says on the seventh day he blessed the seventh day. He made it holy. And God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So in other words, he stopped creating right there. Like he just took a pause from creating. So I don't think he took a nap. I don't think he was sleepy and, and needed the rest. But I think, I think also what happens here too is I think he's set an example for those of us who've been made in his likeness, in his image. He's set a pattern for us that we need every week a day that we, we just sit back and take it all in where we think about the goodness of our Creator. We remember our Creator. We worship and, and give praise and adoration and thanks to our Creator. And we have a day that we just don't keep burning the candle. We don't keep pushing, pushing, pushing. Because you actually tend to not be as effective if you keep just pressing through and you don't get days of rest or you don't, you know, you stay up nights and you stay up for 48 hours and you actually start getting less effective at your work. You get less done and less done well and you tear things up and I've experienced it. And so just like an axe that if you're chopping wood with or a razor blade that you're cutting boxes with needs to be sharpened, we too need to take times of rest where we are sharpened, where we're refreshed, where we're strengthened and refreshed. And, 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 we're, and when we do that, I think we should acknowledge God and his goodness and worship him for his goodness. Amen. Let's find rhythms of rest in 2017. Don't let yourself get burnt out 
Pray about the things that you allow to be put on the schedule, the things that you take responsibility for, because you can be irresponsible and taking on too much responsibility that God hasn't called you to take on and be less effective and productive. And so pray about it. Ask God, what has he called you to do? What, what does he want you to, to do? Amen? And so let's find that place of rest. Hebrews chapter 4, I encourage you to read that maybe later on today. But it talks about this rest that we are to be diligent to enter. We're to strive to enter. It, it, it just seems, sounds like a paradox. Strive to enter this rest. Like be diligent. Work hard to rest. Like try really hard to make sure you're, you don't miss out on this rest. There is a place of rest in God. There's a, there's a sweet spot, a place of grace that we find in him where he strengthens us, where we're not striving in our own strength, where we're not trying to make things happen uh, independently from our creator, where we're, there's a place of trusting in him as we sang about earlier where there is fruitfulness, there's effectiveness, where we align with the design. Here's where the gospel comes in, where Jesus provides that rest and he, he creates us new in Christ Jesus. We're a new creation. We're created for good works. We're, created, we're to be renewed in the spirit of our minds to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. Uh, we're to put on the new self being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Christ came in, lived the perfect life, fulfilled the design as the Son of Man. He took on flesh. The Son of God, He took on flesh, became man, and He lived the perfect life, reflecting God the Father perfectly, fulfilling everything that the Father had sent Him to do. And then it, when He went back to heaven, it says that He sat down at the right hand of God. I think that's similar to, by the way, God the Father resting on the seventh day. Similar concept. Jesus said, it is finished. The work on the cross it is finished. He died for us. His work is finished. So he goes, sits down at the right hand of God. God finishes creating. He, he rests. He ceases. Here's a couple applications. One is that behold the beauty of your creator. Just spend some time. Be, have a fresh sense of awe and wonder of who God is. Just, just think about how beautiful he is, how awesome he is, how faithful he is. Seek to reflect that beauty, the beauty of God's character. Seek to be like him, to know him and be like him. Uh, make disciples. What would it look like in 2017 if you gave yourself to what Jesus commanded in Matthew 28? If you gave yourself to make disciples, to, to be intentional in investing your life into others. I think this, if you have children, it starts with your children. Those are some of the best disciples you'll ever have, right? Um, but beyond that, who, who, who's a, a new believer? Who's somebody you work with or, or somebody that comes to City Church that, that could use a mentor and encouragement along the way? Who can you disciple this year? Um, value God's creation, especially humanity, but don't worship it. Invest in relationships. Be faithful and dependable at work. Do whatever you do heartily as unto God, not unto man. And then lastly, find weekly rhythms of rest. You know, sometimes it's good to take a nap. Sometimes that's the most spiritual thing you can do. Jesus did it. He's sitting in a boat with his disciples, and he's, he's taking a nap. There's a big storm, and his disciples are freaking out. Experienced fishermen are freaking out. And Jesus is just taking a nap. There's the most spiritual person in the world right there, doing the most spiritual thing at the moment right there, taking a nap. 
He wakes up and he calms the storm. You know, take a nap sometimes. Enjoy naps. You know, there's a there's some workplaces that actually provide nap rooms for um, for their employees because um, it can increase the productivity if, if folks uh, in integrity go take their naps and come back in 15 minutes or so. Let's align our hearts with with why he's made us. I'm going to I'm just going to pray into this and then let's sing to him. One of the things I think is great to do on in, in your times of rest is to praise him, thank him, think about him, reflect on his beauty, meditate on the beauty of who he is, on the glory of who he is, and be refreshed and renewed as you wait on him. So, Father, I thank you for this precious family here. I thank you that you have made us with purpose and design, and it's good, it's make everything beautiful in its time and you know how to take chaos and you know how to take brokenness and you know how to create something beautiful and remake and renew and restore and we thank you that you're a redeemer and restorer to do that that you've done that with our lives we pray that we would see many lives in 2017 restored, renewed, redeemed set free, healed and and aligning with your purpose and your design reflecting your glory and beauty on the earth may we be faithful to make disciples may we be faithful to walk in relationship with you deep communion with you and faithful to, to, to love one another well God, help us to align with your plans and your purposes, we ask in the name of Jesus.